So I got, a, I got a question. If you've been coming for a while, you, you know I love to start off with a question and kind of get people leaned in. Um, how many of you have a, have a Netflix subscription? You, some Netflix, okay, or any kind of streaming service, any kind. Okay, yeah, yeah, ne- okay, good. So let me, let me just put it out there. If you are boycotting Netflix, don't talk. I, you do you, boo, okay? You just, you do you. I, I love Netflix, and I watch Netflix, and I am a, I, some of the shows on there, though, are fascinating. Like, I, I thought about starting out and asking, what's your favorite Netflix show? But then I was like, we might not get in, into the message. There's so many options. Um, I, I don't really love Grey's Anatomy. Um, I know that's going to break some of your hearts, but uh, what I learned very quickly is as soon as you fall in love with a character on that show, they die. Like, they, they just wipe them out. So I'm not a, not a great... Didn't watch The Tiger King. I um, did not watch The Tiger King because he reminded me of a cousin that I had, and I just couldn't, couldn't get into it. It's not a lie. Um, Bless his heart. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of, but there are some shows that I've gotten into and I just absolutely binged. Anybody ever binged a show you just couldn't stop watching? Okay, so this is my Netflix idea. Now it's going to be 10 years before we can do it. I'm going to call it Questions with Pastor P. And I'm just going to do a Netflix documentary on some of the questions that people have asked me over the past 30 to 40 years of ministry. Would anybody watch that show just to, out of morbid cure? Okay, so now I get asked some, some funny questions. Uh, I had somebody ask me one time, what's it like to live here? And I said, what do you mean? They were like, well, like you're a priest, right? I was like, no, different, wrong denomination, okay? I don't live in the building, but uh, I feel like I do sometimes, but I don't, I don't live here. I get asked all kinds of really, really awesome questions. Some are unique, some are weird, but some, some questions that people ask me are legitimate. For example, not too long ago, somebody asked me this question, and at the time, I didn't have an answer. I had to think about it. It was, it, it stu- you've been stumped with a question, um, it, it was this, Pastor P, in the Bible, it seems like Jesus did a lot of miracles. So why doesn't he do miracles today like he did in the Bible? And I told the person my, my answer at the time, which was true. I don't know. Let me dig into that. And so it's, it's kind of been that question that's been stuck in my mind. And I bet some of you have wondered that too. Like, why don't we see miracles? Because let's just admit, it would be cool to walk into an ER and say, this, by the way, walk into the ER today and do it. Like, but walking in the ER and going, you know what? Get up, walk, um, this person's coding, you are alive, and just clearing out the ER. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to be driving down Clemson Boulevard, you're stuck in traffic, and just part the Red Sea? Like, wouldn't that be cool, like in Bruce Almighty? I'm down for that miracle. I mean, they're, they're, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be cool if uh, you're sitting at, at dinner and you pick up your water glass and it's, okay, so we talked about that last week, but, but what, what, it seems like if we study Scripture that Jesus is doing a lot of miracles, but in life today, there are people in this room There are people watching online that you have begged God for a miracle. And some of us, and listen, I've seen miracles. Let me just put it out there. I've seen people healed of terminal diseases. I've seen people cured of cancer. 
I've seen things that would absolutely blow your mind. And on the flip side, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing's happened. So, so what, why doesn't Jesus do miracles in today's world like he did when he walked on the earth? And I think one of the things that we do is we lose sight of the fact that Jesus, we only have about 30 to 35 of his miracles recorded. Now, he did ministry for three, three and a half years. So 35 miracles in three and a half years, that's about 10 a year. That's less than one a month. So, so a lot of times we hyper-focus on the miracles and we don't understand that, that, that they were miracles back in the day because they didn't happen that often. But I do want to visit the question, why do we not see miracles, as, as many miracles today, maybe as we saw back then? But, and I'm just going to go ahead and put my cards on the table. I think there are miracles happening in today's world, as much as they ever have. Because Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. If he did it then, he'll do it again. I believe Jesus still does miracles. And I believe there's somebody here today or somebody watching online, you are on the verge of a breakdown. And maybe today Jesus is going to take you from a breakdown to a breakthrough. Because sometimes, sometimes the miracle is simply hearing the word of God. So we're going to dig into John. We're in, we're in the gospel of John. Just in, and so just so you know, last week we're in John. This week we're going to be in John. And for the rest of the month of January, we're going to be in John. We're hanging out with John. I love John. John chapter um, 4 this week. Now, typically when you talk about John chapter 4, you're talking about the woman at the well. But we talked about her a few weeks ago. We're going to leave her alone. We're going to go to the next story in the gospel of John. Here we go. John chapter 4. At the end of two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. So he's in Jerusalem and he goes to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Now, I gotta be honest with y'all. I've always seen that verse and it puzzled me. Has that ever puzzled anybody else? Because you can go through Alan Jackson's hometown and they got a sign that says, Hometown of Alan Jackson. I'm just way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. Is anybody with me? All right, just making sure. Just making sure. I know my, I know my crowd. Um, you, you can go through a, a famous athlete's hometown and say, hey, home of, you know, whoever. But, but Jesus said that he had no honor in his own hometown. In fact, I believe it's Mark chapter 6. The, the Bible says that Jesus could not do miracles in his hometown for their lack of faith. And so I'm scratching my head going, how can Jesus not have honor in his hometown? And then I thought of this illustration because it helped me. How many of you have ever gotten in your car, let's say you're getting ready to leave work and you got to commute and you've gotten in your car to drive home, you crank up your car and the next thing you remember you're pulling in to your driveway and you don't remember the drive. Anybody in the room? Okay, and completely sober. Okay, I'm not talking about Friday night. I'm talking about, I'm talking about work. And all of us have probably done that. And, and the reason we can drive from point A to point B and not see anything is because the route has become familiar. And when something becomes familiar, we're less likely to see something new 
are something beautiful because we're not looking for it. I couldn't remember, I was on a very familiar route one time and my daughter was with me and she said, Daddy, look at the sunset. Now here's what's crazy. It was the same route I always drove. It was the same time I always drove it. And, and you know what? The sun rises and sets just about the same time every day, but I had never seen it because everything had become too familiar. Maybe the reason we don't see Jesus operate the way that he does operate is because we've allowed the work of God to become way too familiar in our own lives. One of the dangers that we have as followers of Jesus is because Jesus can do something and we don't, we don't, we don't have the faith to celebrate it. We just say, well, that's just what happens. But understand that I, I know that Jesus does some stuff. In fact, I know Jesus is doing some stuff in my life that's not familiar. Hey, I'll just say it. This right here, this environment, the, the music we just got to experience, that's, I don't ever want that to become familiar. I don't want us to ever take that for granted. I want us to remember where we came from. An iPhone 7 in a living room to the Barbaritos building to this place with a full band, worship, hands raised, all the, all the bells and whistles. We got children's ministry. We got student ministry. We can't ever let that become familiar and think it's normal. For God to do what he's done in this place in three years is absolutely supernatural. And when we let the supernatural become familiar, we miss the miracle. So, so I, I, would just, I would just challenge you today. To, to not allow what God is doing to become familiar. Because if so, you miss the miracle. I say it all the time. I'll say it again. Did you wake up inside today? See, there's a lot of people in the world that would call that a miracle. Do you have a bottle of water in your home? There's a lot of people in the world that would call that a miracle. See, to us, it's normal. To a lot of people, it's a It's a miracle. So, so Jesus, Jesus had become familiar, and, and when, you, when, when something becomes familiar, you can miss the supernatural. And, and then the Bible says, yet the Galileans, <laughs> this is funny, the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. Now, stay with me, because this is going to take a second to set up. They saw what Jesus did at the Passover celebration, and they, they were like, you know what? You're kind of familiar, but we saw that thing you did, and we like you. Come hang out with us. Now, here's what's funny. When I read this passage, I looked back over John chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 to see what he had done when he was in Galilee that had them so excited. That, that, that he didn't do a miracle. His first miracle in the Gospel of John, we talked about it last week, was water into wine. His second miracle is the miracle we're going to talk about today. He didn't do a miracle when he was in Jerusalem. Pastor P, what did he do? It's where he cleared the temple. The Bible says, John said, he looked at the money changers, and what they were doing is basically taking advantage of people, and he he sat down and made a whip. Now, how awesome is that? Remember when, I don't know if you're my age, but my, my grandma used to tell me, go get your switch 
Um, Jesus was like, you know what? Y'all don't have to go get your switch. I'm going to make it for you. And Jesus said, can you see him over there? He's kind of making a whip. And, and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? And he's like, you're about to find out. I'm about to show you what I'm doing. But don't miss this. But this just hit me this week. I've never thought about this. Jesus sat down and he made a whip. He showed anger, but his anger did not come from just an explosion. He's, he's quick to listen, slow to become angry. In fact, you could almost say while he's making the whip, they had an opportunity to repent. And they didn't take it. So he cleared the temple. And everybody's like, man, this guy made 180 gallons of wine and beat up all the religious people. We are on your team. You come in. You, come, you, you hang out with us. So they're, they're welcoming Jesus in. And Jesus is like, he's got this reputation. But it's not the reputation that we think of Jesus. You know, walking around with a sad face, holding a lamb, crying all the time. He is, he is cleaning out temples and making wine. All right? So that's Jesus. And he walks into town. And then this happens. As they traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana. Now, remember what happened last time he was in Cana? Anybody remember? We talked about it last week. Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Okay, water and the wine. Now, just a question. Do you think the people in Cana were happy to see Jesus again? Yeah. I mean, Jesus, they're like, hey, man, who is that? Oh, oh, is you, you, you uh, hey, 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 Jesus. Jesus, you need, can you hold this for me? You know what, go, go, go to Ingalls and get the Dasani. Just go, get all the Dasani. You know what, get all the cheap, get the Ingalls water, get the Bayou brand. We just get, just, we're so glad, to, they're so glad to see him because of what he did the last time he was there. But don't miss this, don't miss this. Last time Jesus was in Cana, he did a miracle for the masses. This time he's gonna do a miracle for an individual. See, G Jesus wants to do miracles for us. I believe he also wants to do miracles for you. The individual matters to Jesus. So he's, he's sitting there, and, and the Bible says, there was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. <laughs> now, I just got a question. How many of y'all got kids? This is easy. It's a yes or no. Um, don't your kids have the ability to make you experience the highest of highs yep. and the lowest of lows? You, you, can, you can thank God for them and within 30 seconds question, why am I a parent? Yep. Right? I remember the first time I saw Karis as a lead in a play. She was Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And I was, I was nervous. I was about to throw up. I was, I was so nervous. And she got up and she sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I had some friends with me and the, the person next to me said, are you crying? I was like, no, I'm good. I don't know what that is. I think I had some onions in the room. I mean, I was, I was, it, was so, I, it was so awesome. But then I remember when she was like two years old, and I, I don't know if your kid went through this phase, where they questioned everything. Why? Why? We need to go, why? We're almost on Why? And, and, and I said the phrase that I said I would never say as a parent. Finally, I pulled it out. Because I said, yeah, that's right, because I said so. So if you're a, if you're a parent, 
your kids always have an effect on you. And let me say this, that never goes away. I was talking to a man the other day, 65 years old, and his son was in his 40s, and the 65-year-old man was brokenhearted over the fact that his 40-something-year-old son was sick. Saying all that, if you're a parent, nothing, hardly anything on the planet rips your heart out as much as seeing your child get sick. In fact, when, uh, a few months ago when Karis had COVID, I can remember looking at her on the couch and thinking this thought, if I could, I would take it from her. I would take that sickness from her. If you're a parent, you've thought this exact same thing. I would take that sickness. I, that, if, you, if your child is sick, doesn't it do something to, it destroys you inside, am I right? So you've got this government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. Now, let me tell you a couple things about this government official. Number one, he was not a follower of Jesus. That's very important because there are some people in this room or maybe watching online and you've been told that Jesus only does miracles for people who follow him. If that were the case, then nearly every miracle in the scripture he did, he would have never done because he did miracles most of the time for people that weren't actually following him. No, number two... From what we know, this, this government official was a Gentile. In other words, he wasn't even Jewish. In other words, he didn't even go to church and read his Bible. But his son got sick. And isn't it funny, when you face a desperate situation, how quick you learn how to pray. As a friend of mine that said that served in Vietnam, he never met an atheist in a foxhole. So this government official, who's used to getting his way, by the way, because he's a government official, he's used to getting his way, and he's in nearby Capernaum. His son was very sick, and watch this. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Now, this is huge. And give me just a second to unpack this. Because right here, we see a reason why sometimes we don't see a miracle. He came to Jesus with a problem, which is, which is what we should obviously do. When we have problems, when we have issues, we should bring them to Jesus. I, I, can, I can think of so many times in my life where I've been frustrated with a certain situation and I'll try everything, and at the end of it, I just throw my hands up and pray about it, and then all of a sudden, bam, problem solved. And I think, man, I should have prayed about it in the first place. And so Jesus is, Jesus is who we need to bring our problems to. So I don't know what you're wrestling with today. I don't know what miracle you might need, but bringing Jesus your problem, that's what we're supposed to be able to do. And there's some people going, oh my gosh, I'm so insignificant. I don't matter. No, you matter to him. You are created in the image of God. He cares about what's going on in your heart and in your mind. And he absolutely wants all of us to bring our problems to him. That's it. Listen, we don't get a miracle many times because we're not asking for it. And so if you're struggling with, well, I'm not a godly person and I don't really follow Jesus and I don't know that much about the Bible, neither did this guy. 
But he brings his problem to Jesus. But here's the issue. Here's the issue. He also brought his plans to Jesus. And Jesus wants your problems, but he doesn't need our plans. Don't miss this. I've been reading this passage for years and I've never seen this. He begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son. Jesus, this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to do it. And Jesus wants us to bring him the what? But he doesn't need our how. See, sometimes, I don't know, have you ever gotten mad at somebody because you get in the car with them and you're going from point A to point B and they start driving and, and, and they're going a, a way that you wouldn't have necessarily gone? And you're like, hey, if you take a right up here, it's quicker. And they're like, no, I'm going to go this way. Hey, if you take a left over there, it's quicker. No, I'm, go, I'm going my way. By the time you get there, you're mad. <laughs> Let me just ask this question. Anybody in the room struggle with being selfish? Anybody struggle with being selfish? Yeah, if you're not raising your hand, you're the most selfish person in the room. <laughs> I struggle with being selfish. Like the other night, Shannon and I went to a brand new place to eat dinner, and they brought the din- and we were getting ready to order, and I couldn't decide between two things in my mind. I'm like, do I get this? Do you- I don't know. And I'm kind of really wrestling. And so we got ready to order, and she ordered one of the things that I wanted, so I just ordered the other. That's what's beautiful about Shannon. She never finishes her food. So I get to eat. And this- I get to finish it. Now, if, if they would have put my food down and she'd have reached over and taken a bite, that'd have been okay, baby. It'd have been okay if you'd have done that. But, <laughs> but I might have gotten a little upset. I, I, I'm just selfish. We're all selfish. We want things to happen in our time and in our way. And this government official was used to getting his way in his time. So he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, I need you to do what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to do it. And like I said, Jesus wants what's in our hands, but he don't need our plans. Because at the end of the day, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 tells us that his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Jesus, I'm going to give you my problems, and you don't need my plans. In fact, I'm going to put my problems in your hands and say, to heck with my plans. That's, that, he, he comes up to Jesus and he says, this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to do it. By the way, to do it the way he wanted to do it was, would actually slow down the process because it, was about, it took a day to get from Capernaum to Cana, walking, all right? Jesus asked, will you never believe in me? Unless you see the miraculous signs and wonders. Now, just looking at the situation, it looks like Jesus got a little rude. Does it not? This guy's coming up to Jesus, and I can almost see him. He's crying a little bit. He's got some tears in his eyes. He's like, Jesus, will you come and heal my son? Please, I need you to come with me and heal my son. And Jesus goes, what if I don't? How, how, would, how, would you, how would you take that? Hey, hey, Jesus, would you do this? Maybe. I don't know. And it goes back to the guy bringing Jesus his plans. That, this is what happens. Jesus, Jesus, I need a miracle. I need a job, Jesus. I need a job. 
And Jesus, the job I want is this one right here. This is how much I want to make. These are the hours I want to work. And this, that, like we, that we pray. We pray. We give them our plans. Now, I, like may, maybe you're single. Jesus, I want to get married. I know maybe you're a single lady and you pointed out the guy. God, and it needs to be him. It needs to be him. And your mama's saying no, and your friends are saying no. And if you'll listen, the eggs inside of your body are going, Mother, no, please, God, give us a chance. Like, like, like everything's a no. I just had to see if y'all are awake. I just had to see if y'all are awake. I just had to see if y'all are awake. So, so this man comes up to Jesus and says, this is what I want you to do, and this is how I want you to do it. And Jesus basically says, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs? In other words, Jesus says, what if I do what you're asking me to do, but you don't get to see it? What if I do what you're asking me to do, but I don't do it the way you asked me to do it? Is it still a miracle? See, sometimes Jesus will do a miracle, and we miss it because he didn't do exactly what we ask. Let me give you an example from my life. When my mom got cancer, I was 11 years old. I prayed like I had never prayed before for God to heal her, and she died. And for years, I was bitter at God. And I can remember after becoming a Christian and being in ministry but still struggling with that bitterness— and, and really just having it out with God on a Mother's Day. It was a Mother's Day, and I told God, I was like, God, I asked you to heal her, and you didn't heal her. And God spoke to me as clearly as I ever heard him and said, oh, I healed her. She's healed. I just didn't do it the way you wanted her healed. You wanted her healed and for her to stay. But I healed her by bringing her to be with me. And she's never been better than she is right now. And that's when I had to just kind of step back and realize, you know what? His ways really are higher than our ways, and his thoughts really are greater than our thoughts. So what if Jesus did what you were asking him to do, but he didn't do it the way you were asking him to do it? Amen. It's still a miracle. It's still a miracle. Watch this. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Now, on the surface, it looks like the guy doesn't pick up the hint. Like he's still persistent in asking what he's asking for. But it's, 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 all, in the, it's, all, it's all in the title. It's all in the title. And, and there's so much <laughs> talk, about, talk about tense. With me, it's not tense. But there's so much tension right now around the titles. Mr. or Mrs. Mr. or Mrs. And everybody's like, well, there's, this, there's 17 different things. Mm, nah, mm -mm, nah. God said male and female. I'm, I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm just telling you, Mr. or Mrs. And I, th that's, that's where I land. But then there's some titles that you can earn, like doctor. I remember being in 10th grade math class in California. 
I had to move to California when I was in 10th grade because my dad lost $25,000 to a bookie one weekend and we had to leave town. And so we moved from, from Easley, California. Whole nother story, really happened. Told y'all, Netflix would be amazing. So anyway, <laughs> I'm out at this, this school in California and our math teacher was named Dr. Dr. Salcedo. I will never forget it. He was from Cuba. Um, and he was arrested under the Castro regime and spent some time in prison and escaped to America. And, and, and trust me, he had lots of fascinating stories. And so anyway, I got to stay after school one day to spend some time with Dr. Salcedo because it was math. And math was created by Satan. Satan got to create two things, cats and math. Um, and so he created math. And so I, I didn't get it. And so I'm with Dr. Salcedo one day, and there was a guy in the class named CJ. Um, and CJ was, um, <laughs> CJ was dumb as a rock. So I, and I guess I was too because I was in the class. But Dr. Salcedo got up, and he started trying to explain some stuff to me and CJ. And um, CJ said, yeah, Mr. Salcedo. And Dr. Salcedo turned around and said, it is Dr. You ever met somebody like that? You better get that title right. And what happened next was fascinating because I was thinking it, but I didn't say it. CJ said, you're not a doctor. You teach math. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. Like, what do you do? Like operate on problems? Like 3x equals 6. Solve. Let's, let's operate here. Let's, by the way, x equals, x equals 2. Um, but see, I, I had to prove to some of y'all I, I knew math. Dr. Salcedo, Dr. Salcedo went nuts. I am a doctor. And then he started speaking in Spanish. It was English, Spanish, English, Spanish. It was kind of like Dora. Like you never can figure out which language, like pick a language, chick. And, and I was fascinated by this. But at the, at, you know what? After that, I emphasize doctor after it because you know what he, he did? He earned the, he, he had gone to school, paid his way through school and earned a doctorate in math, which <laughs> he wasn't married. And I'm like, obviously, because you got a doctorate in math. That's a boring person. But, but I learned how important titles were now. Saying all of that to say this, this is, this is what really stuck out to me in this verse because titles matter, right? What did the guy call Jesus? Lord. Lord. That sealed the deal. This right here. He, he didn't know Bible history. He didn't know the history of Jesus. There's a lot of stuff that this guy didn't know. But he got the title right. You are Lord. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're not saying Jesus is my homeboy, Jesus is my buddy, Jesus is my advisor, Jesus is my helper. No. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying your ways, not my ways. You are the leader, you are wiser, you are stronger, you are better. There, everything about you is awesome and right and true. Jesus, you are Lord. So at the end of the day, 
I might not be asking for the right thing. I might, I might not have the what down, but I've got the who down. So at the end of the day, when we come to Jesus and we're asking him to do things, and we even ask him to do it certain ways, all of that's great. But, but the key in this verse, the thing that, that really, really, really broke through to me in my mind is are we calling him Lord? No matter what you decide, no matter what you do, I will follow you. I know a lot of people, they don't, I don't go to church anymore. Why? Oh, I just got to do something. You didn't do it. Oh, well, you can come to our church because we speak Hwanese, and we're glad you, you can walk in the door and we can talk your language. I'll tell you, there's a lot of things that, that I've asked God to do, and he didn't do. And as I look back over the things that I asked God to do, and he didn't do, I am so thankful. God loves you so much that sometimes he has to say no. I, it, don't, are you glad that you didn't marry the first person you asked God to let you marry? <laughs> I won't ask for an amen because it can get some tense conversation. Aren't you glad that God didn't give you certain things all along the way? At the end of the day, my, my, my question isn't, what are you asking God for? My question is, who is Jesus to you? Because what I've had to learn is as long as he's Lord, if he says yes, praise the Lord. If he says no, praise the Lord because he's got a better plan. In this story, the guy was asking Jesus, come go with me. Spend a day walking with me. And after a day, you can heal my son. But Jesus had a better plan. Watch this. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. Notice the exclamation point. Jesus, see, we see Jesus walking around. He's got his hands folded. He's like, go back home. Your son will live. <laughs> Jesus listened and went, man, go back home. Your son will live. And the guy was like, okay. <laughs> Evidently, the wine is still kind of left over from the last time. You heard about that, by the way. So he's, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Question, if you're a parent, do you fully believe in that moment? Yes or no? No. Y'all didn't say that confidently because you're like, yes, no. Because, because Jesus has never done this before. Don't, don't miss this because Jesus' plans were better. The guy said, I want you to, in other words, the guy's going, I want you to heal my son in 24 hours. And Jesus is like, I'll just do it now. Why wait 24 hours when we can just handle the problem right now? But if you're the dad, and Jesus says, go back home, your son will live. Do you fully believe the word of God in that moment? No, because you don't really know who this Jesus character is. And you don't really know what he's capable of. But obviously, the man found enough faith to shut up and turn around and start walking home. At the end of the day, he took Jesus 
at his word. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. The word of Jesus is what healed his son. The word of Jesus, the spoken word of Jesus. As soon as Jesus spoke, there, were, there was healing. Do you know the word of God can bring healing to our life? Because when God speaks, dead things come to life. God spoke to an empty earth. Bam! And the earth was created. And the mountains and the hills and the rivers and the valleys. God spoke in John chapter 11 to a dead man. And the dead man came out of the tomb. Jesus is always speaking life over people. He's always bringing death to life. That's the reason I personally love reading the scriptures because the scriptures are the word of God and Jesus speaks healing into our lives through the scriptures. So Jesus speaks healing to this man who, by the way, wasn't necessarily a follower of Jesus and didn't necessarily believe in him. See, this is, this, this is what I've been told. If you have faith, God will give you a miracle. And if you don't get the miracle, you didn't have enough faith. That's not true. That's not true. Because then if the miracle don't happen, what happens? You feel guilt and shame because you didn't have enough faith. That's not my God, not my God. He didn't bring that on you. Jesus just spoke. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Now, as he's walking back home, after he's heard the word of God, do you think he dealt with doubt? Yes or no? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Just want to do a quick survey because I, I just I need to see I need to see where we are. How many of you have ever been in this room? Felt like you heard from God. God spoke to you. He encouraged you. He built you up. He spoke life like something good happened. And in that moment, you felt like you could charge hell with a water pistol and it not even have any water in it. You just, but by the time you get to the parking lot and get in your car, you start wondering, was that real? Anybody in the room besides me? Any, yeah, yeah. I'll be on this stage preaching. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I get in the car going, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know. I just don't know. That's miracle. I don't know. Miracles. So he's walking away, and watch what happens. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him. Okay, as the man's walking and he sees his servants coming to meet him, what do you think he does? I think his heart drops. Because once again, he's got no reason to believe that Jesus could heal his son with a word because he's never done that. So here comes all of his friends and he's like, it's over. It's over. And we just, we're, we naturally, think, oh, it's over, it's over, everything's over, everything's over, it's all falling apart. Watch this. Some of the servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He's what? He's alive, he's alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to, to get better. They replied, yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Isn't it funny? They knew the time. All they, I guess they had the, their Apple watches on. They're all kind of looking. They kind of documented it. I just made that up. They didn't have Apple watches back. Actually, Eve had the first Apple watch. Anyway, Bible joke. <laughs> Verse 53. 
Then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live, and he and his entire household believed in Jesus. See, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. The miracle that Jesus wants to do in you and through you is bigger than you. Because if Jesus had done what the man told him, then the man controlled Jesus. But see, Jesus did such a powerful miracle that this man and his entire household believed. The miracle that Jesus wants to do in you is bigger than you. And maybe the reason he isn't giving us necessarily what we're asking for right now is because if we just wait a little longer, he's going to get a little bit more glory. And by the way, it's going to be way better than what we imagined. As soon as he spoke, the boy was healed. And the Bible finishes the story. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Second miraculous sign that Jesus did. Jesus wants to do a miracle in you. And by the way, he is able. A lot of people, we, we tend to focus, and, and I put myself in this category sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, on, on, on the breakdown that we're, we're going through. And, and, and many of us <clears throat> legitimately are going through a tough time. And we feel like the enemy has so much power over us that he is either in the act of destroying us or because of our past has destroyed us and we're just doomed to live out the rest of our life as a shell of a person. But that's not true. Do you know the enemy has no power over you if you are in Christ? Let me say it again. The enemy has no power over you if you are in Christ. It's kind of like the family that was driving down the road and it was a summer day and the windows were down and everybody's having fun and all of a sudden a big huge bumblebee flies into the car and the little girl freaks out and the little girl's freaking out because she's allergic to bees. So she's screaming and she's screaming, but the dad, because dads know how to fix everything, the dad, the bumblebee's uh, kind of in the seat, and the dad's reaching, and he's driving, he's reaching, he's driving, and finally he grabs the bumblebee in his hand, and he holds it, and he holds it, and he waits for it, and he waits for it, and it happens. He gets stung, then he lets the bee go, and the bee's flying around the, he's flying around the car, flying around the car, kind of going crazy. And the little girl's screaming, Daddy, 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 help me, help me, help me, help me. It's going to get me. And the dad holds out his hand to his daughter and says, No, baby, he can't hurt you because I got his stinger in my hand. For those of you that are running scared of the enemy today, Jesus would tell you that he has the stinger in his hand. He took the nails. He took the cross. He took the beating. But, and we don't have to. And what he promises us is victory. He promises us life. And you don't need to stop believing in the, for the miracle. Maybe today the miracle that needs to take place in your life is for you to just stop saying, God, this is what... I want you to do and this is how I want you to do it and it's simply saying Jesus you are Lord 
I want what you want. Your ways become my ways. Your thoughts become my thoughts. Your heart becomes my heart. Jesus, I pray right now over this entire room. God, I know there are some people in this room that are hurting. God, I know there's some people in this room that are desperate to believe that you still do miracles. Father, I pray that you would release supernatural power, supernatural hope, supernatural peace over us today, that we would have the faith to believe, Jesus, that you are a miracle worker. And when that happens, Jesus, we'll shout your name in the streets. We'll shout your name at work. We'll shout your name everywhere we go. With heads bowed and eyes closed, what's that miracle you need Jesus to do in your life? Ask him right now. Ask him for that miracle. Ask him for that hope. Ask him for that peace. Ask him for that restoration. Ask. Listen, Jesus said so many times in the scripture, you don't get it because you don't ask. Have the faith right now to ask Jesus for the miracle that you need him to do in your life. Maybe you're here today and you've, you realize that you've never called Jesus Lord. You've never given your life to him. You've called him a lot of things and you know about him, but you never have accepted him as Lord and leader in your life. So if that's you today and you know you need to accept Christ, then right where you stand right now. If you're in this room or watching online, I want you to pray in your heart. Just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to save me from my sins. And right now, Jesus, I accept you into my life. Be my savior, be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus in your heart as Lord, do me a favor, I wanna pray for you. Do me a favor by holding your hand up and just hold it up real high. Just hold it up real high, real high, real high. Awesome. If you're online, do the hand raise. Father, I want to thank you so much, Jesus, that you changed lives. I want to thank you so much, Jesus, that you changed lives here today. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are a miracle worker. Father, I pray for every single person in this room as we've offered up our prayers to you, the miracles that we need. Father, remind us this week that you are a good father that wants good things for his children. We love you, Jesus. We thank you in advance that your ways are higher than our ways. So we thank you for the work that you're going to do. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Everybody that agrees said amen, amen. Are you glad you came today? I can't wait to see y'all next week. And if you're a first timer, come back and hang out. I'd love to get a chance to meet you.